me and it was just going yeah. and yeah, I wrote it really easily. You're in flow. Yeah. Rather yeah. than the day when you're looking at the blinking line going. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Ian Truscott, I'm no rockstar, but on this weekly podcast I chat with the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums I've met on my journey from techie to CMO, sharing their marketing street knowledge in a show that Jason Falls described as a variety show for marketers. Come say hello, we are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'll include links to me, my guests, all the things we talk about in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. It's Saturday, the 4th of March. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week. You are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week in the marketing studio, I chat with Jeff Clark about creating your ideal marketing team. The wonderful force of nature and leadership success coach Caroline Kay returns for a third visit. And I wind down the week with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark, our weekly dose of marketing street knowledge for our resident rockstar CMO strategy advisor. Come on into the studio. The on-air button is off right now, or the light's off right now. So come on in, and we'll uh, switch it on, and we can start talking. Oh, you should have switched it on already, mate. We're already on air. <laughs> Thank you very much, mate. And again, our normal, I welcome you to the show. You welcome me to the studio. We're all welcome, Miss Great. How's Massachusetts? Welcome. <laughs> Danke. Uh, how's Massachusetts, mate? Massachusetts is uh, sunny and snowy. We're, oh, wow. We have a we have a sunny yeah. day after a snowstorm, and we got another snowstorm yeah. on the way. Wow. So it's uh, winter came late, but it's here. Wow! Yeah, because you were mentioning that you were expecting snow last time we chatted. That's exactly. Last week, and that's just what to happened. show, that, just to show that the show is actually recorded on a weekly. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Well, here in I, I've spent some time in uh, Valencia this week, uh, awesome. which was jolly nice, and yeah. uh, and I've returned to a rather bleak and grey Oxfordshire. That's the report from here. <laughs> That's what you get All when right, you're so, English when you return home. <laughs> absolutely. All right, so I better cra- we better crack on with um, you know what we know best because we decided what was what did you what were the weatherologists with climate climate or uh, uh, um, yeah. We, 
Some some rabbit hole we decided to yeah. go down. But we're marketers here, and this is where our expertise is. Meteorologists. So, we are not meteor- meteorologists by trade. We are not. We are not. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about how one should have an editorial calendar and all those good things. And um, because we're absolute masters as at um, say do what we say, not say what we do. No, do what we do, whatever that is. Whatever that <laughs> do is, what we say, not what we <laughs> not, do. <laughs> yeah, we thought. Well, I don't know. That editorial calendar thing sounds like a great idea. So we came up with one, and we have this topic came up as a, an, imp- an important topic, I think, for CMOs, which is how to build a marketing team. And I think we mentioned that we were going to talk about it last week. And I'm super interested in this. I was also chatting to a chum who is actually trying to build a marketing team. And uh, he was like, you should discuss this on your show. Yes, <laughs> yes what's coming up next? <laughs> so I thought that was an excellent idea. So uh, I'm going to say, so what say you, Jeff? Uh, because I always do. But I, have a, I want to start with a question. Um, not let you get in there. Uh, I suppose I should. But how should we start? How should we approach building a marketing team? Now, there's going to be different. We're going to try and talk about two different things, right? About startups, existing yep, teams, and like yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what do you say about how should we approach building? Well, a marketing team? I think that uh, one thing I, I first thing I thought of when we we're going this topic is kind of going back to the cliche of you know when you're trying to evaluate the capabilities you're trying to build in a function you look at people process and technology mm-hmm. you know you can throw in data you know but those are kind of like core elements for what you're trying to you need for what you're trying to accomplish so yeah. so approaching staffing I mean that's the people part is is kind of you should look at the same way and kind of conduct an assessment because I think what you want to do, and I've certainly seen, you know, CMOs do this or, you know, people in senior marketing leadership, it's kind of like they have a picture of what a marketing team should look like. So they're going to build the team. The new team is going to look like the team that they've got pictured, (laughs) which could be that was just the way that's the team they came out of or that's the team they built Mm -hmm. last. And it it, unfortunately is kind of taking the easy way out. So as much as you're, you know, you're, you're concerned about the, the human side of plugging in and unplugging people in a, in a, in a new yeah. system. Uh, yeah. You, you really should take a, a rigorous, um, thoughtful mm-hmm. approach to assessing what you need. Right. And we'll get onto that in a moment. Cause I do want to, uh, my immediate question was to ask you about that and to talk about priorities and stuff. But I know because not only do we have an editorial calendar now, we have show notes, and so I know <laughs> we do have a brief idea, a, a, a loose idea of what you're going to talk about. So, um, but one of the things I wanted to come up with first is, as we were sort of discussing discussing this topic, um, how is this different for staffs versus dealing with the existing team? And I know that's a really obvious question, but I think you know that that's also probably the the different places where the listeners at is they probably you know if you're launching out and you're starting a marketing function. That's going to be a different consideration than when you're dealing with your existing team. Yeah, I mean, because obviously, with, as you said, with a startup, the you know the clear thing is you're starting from scratch, you know, and yeah. uh, and it's nice to have a clean slate, but then you might get constrained with how quickly you can hire, how quickly you can onboard. Um, yeah. You know, there's, I mean, there are sort of budget and time considerations for. You know, if if you do your assessment and you've got your goals and it's like, mm, you know, what? I, so I need to build this. Um, it, it's going to take time to get to mm-hmm. that state where you've got all those capabilities. With an existing team, 
you know, you, you can evaluate their capabilities versus the remit. And, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, you, you, you've got the issue of now you may have to move people around, fire some people, you know, and do things which, you know, get into the, the people issues of drain, you know, that might drain motivation, mm-hmm. but, but you've got to like, think about what, what am I, Again, kind of what is my remit? Am I uh, am I changing a go to market strategy? Am I just the new guy who's got to deal with an existing team? And were there poor results in the past? So I got to figure out how to turn that around and inspire the Mm -hmm. team so that they can see the change that's needed and the changes I'm going to make. Um, Mm -hmm. Certainly, a lot of issues. It will kind of probably touch in these as we go through examples, but it's uh, it's uh, there. There's uh, devils in the details, and either way you look at it. Yeah, actually, I think I should have asked this question after we've gone through your process, because I think what I what I think is interesting about this when you think about it is it is basically going to be about what are your goals. Right. So whether you're whether you're in a startup or whether you're dealing with an existing team, the you need to you need to look at what are your immediate challenges. So if you've got an existing team, it's going to be what are your immediate weaknesses. But if you're if you're a startup, it's going to be what is it I need to get done first? Yeah, but anyway, I'm probably standing on your future toes of what we're going to talk about now because you mentioned <laughs> if, if they hurt in the future, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned you mentioned an assessment there. So what's this process you were talking about? And I already know, and I'm really hoping this is true uh, because we've got a standard on this show that we do have five effing steps for this. It's thing. five effing something, you know. <laughs> Even if we got to shoehorn six into the fifth. <laughs> Um, All right. What's your first one? Well, I think, I mean, we kind of alluded to this is kind of know what your mm. strategic goals are. So what's, yeah. what's the contribution the ask the organization is asking marketing to provide. And it's kind of like, what are the, mm. you know, the OKRs or objectives, key results. And, yeah. and, and you need to, uh, I mean, this is where it's always helpful to have a small number. <laughs> I mean, because it gets, it gets too complicated if you're, you know, if like I, if you list and I've been in organizations where it's like, we've got 12 major goals and it's like, well, you can't, yeah. it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta hone that down, uh, mm-hmm. aggregate it somewhere, some way to say, so is this about driving revenue contribution? Is this about making sales more productive? We may be more focused on enablement and collateral and tools and stuff like that. Is this about raising brand awareness? And this is certainly my experience uh, in even doing technology assessments, uh, you know, which I've done quite a few is like if you if you get those small number of goals, now you can start to go through the process of saying, OK, what are we what do we need to get there? And and you can yeah. start to get into, you know, the. Uh, the next step, which I won't, I won't, <laughs> I'll leave you for prompting the next step because I just want to go there right now. But it's like, yeah, you, know, yeah. You, you need, you need something that's an input of which you're going to evaluate yeah. everything else. Right. And this goes back to our old friend, the OKRs, right? Which we yeah. often keep mentioning. And we mentioned that when we're talking about technology, we talk about that when we, when we talk about in budget and all that stuff is understanding the OKRs and and uh, and I think we've decided in our editorial calendar that we will talk about OKRs. We're going to hit OKRs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so uh, I interrupted you there from your. You were just about to flow straight into number two. What's number it's, two? It's my, it's, a, it's my bad <laughs> habit. So the, the next thing is you want to build a skills map, and so it's like what what's required for us to make these contributions, and yeah. kind of the first step within the step is to is to 
interview your internal customers. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, in marketing, that's typically sales, um, but it could be product, you know, uh, business unit leaders, product leaders. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and so you want to be asking, so, you know, if our, if, if what we're being asked to do is to drive revenue contribution, you know, are you currently mm -hmm. getting what you need or in the case of a startup, what do you think we you need in order for, for right. us to be able to, to help you with the revenue contribution goal? And, um, and so, you know, by asking the internal customer, you get the idea about what their, um, you know, what their ideal is. And then you can start to, Inform that helps inform you about the kind of roles, yeah. uh, and or I mean, there's a number of ways you could talk about this. You could talk about the role as an individual. You could talk about the mm. specific skills. You could talk about mm. you know, again. I use the term capabilities. Sometimes people throw these around kind of interchangeably, but you want to right. kind of build a map that says we have a list of capabilities that are going to get us to that. And yeah. and um, I know when I worked uh, at Serious Decisions and Forrester, I mean, we had things called capability maps uh, or competency yeah. maps sometimes. And you, you have these lists of things, you know, so and, and there was just, you know, last year I worked with a client that was trying to um, define their competency map uh, companies around marketing uh, uh, operations. And so it's like, yeah. OK. We need to generate reports. We need to understand sources of data. We need to build dashboard. And so you kind of yeah. like make this list and you, you know, you, you can get one of the cautions is you can get a little too granular. So you, you got to understand what is your, what is your, um, uh, your appetite <laughs> for getting down mm -hmm. into weeds. You can try yeah. to keep this high level and then just prioritize. Okay. You know, I've, I've listed a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is this a low priority, medium priority? Is it a high priority? Yeah. Uh, because before you get to the next steps, you want to know just because I listed something and I think it's a good thing to have, is that something I need now? Yeah. Or is it something I need down the road? Yeah. Or is it a nice to have? Yeah. And, and, and this would ladder right up to your OKRs, wouldn't it? So if it's something like yeah. you're talking about building dashboards, well, why are you building a dashboard? Well, you need, you, you probably have yeah. an objective around, around, um, around displaying performance and, and sharing performance yeah. with, with yeah, what's the content yeah. going to be on the dashboard, yeah, yeah. which may get yeah. into the, what systems you're pulling information from and yeah. what type of person you need yeah. to, and where um, are the to skills? That. Yeah. Who knows how to do that? And that's the other thing I think too, um, from a, from a leader's perspective is I think don't forget your own skills in this skills. Yes. Map because oh, yeah. I think that it's easy to bias a team, um, towards where you think your mark you know where your marketing skill or passion is but remember that you need the yin and the yang in the team that somebody that offset you but also you can make a contribution into the team say like it's content marketing or you're particularly good at product marketing or whatever it is yep. that you'll bring that strength and you're going to bring that strength whether you like it or not because you're you know if you've got a product marketing expert and you're a product marketer you're going to spend a lot of time in their business because you've got passion for it and, and if you're and if you're doing this exercise with your, you know, let's say you've got a marketing leadership yeah. team, you know, whether it's yeah. two, three, four, five people, or whatever it is, yeah. you don't want them. You don't want to go through the exercise with them where they're thinking they're going to be able to hire every yes. every uh, skills is required because yeah. again, just like you said, they've got their skills. Yeah. So where do you have the director of comms do a lot of the work versus it's like, okay, yeah. I need a product manager but, or, or not product manager. I need a pro program manager mm, and comms in addition mm, to me. And da, 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 yeah. Well, that's, I so, think yeah. one of the lead things where, where we were talking about the difference between existing teams and startups and the maturity of a business 
is I think that your first one or two marketing hires as a CEO of a startup, those people are going to need to be generalists, right? So they're going to need to, ha- they're going to, need to pick, tick a number of these boxes. And the challenge is going to be which of those boxes do you want to get ticked most? And then what yeah. happens in the next iteration of the marketing team? Is that person then still going to be your top marketing guy? Or are they, or is where, yep. you know, let's say they're a demand gen specialist and they're always going to be, and that's what you needed on day one. But in year two, you actually need somebody who's going to manage a bunch of people and demand gen's just one of those things, right? And are they a good manager? Yeah, exactly. So that might be yeah. one of the skills in your skills matrix, might it, about, about management experience, even if you can't offer the person management. Yep, yep today yeah all right so we've done um so we've done our skills uh we've done we built our, our skills map so we know what we've got we've built our objectives so we know what we need to do we know what we've got in terms of delivering them what's our third step is do a gap analysis oh. so it's like uh, you know mm-hmm. so i've just listed or we've just listed if you're doing this as a yeah. team exercise we just listed the capabilities we need well yeah. well do we have those mm. skills and capabilities yeah. and so one of the again going back to the reason to prioritize is something's a high priority and yeah. you go and we you know and and you're thinking about is this absent in the team do we do we meet the the skill level do we exceed the skill level and if it's a high priority and we don't meet it yeah we got to fill it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know if it's a yeah. and if it's a medium priority and we exceed it then it's like okay well maybe we need there's right. somebody that we need to uh, you know, reassign into a, a somewhat different role because there's a higher, uh, pr- more pr- higher priority uh, right. capability that we need to we need to meet. So, you know, it's like this is one of those things that you know we would often do uh, with clients, mm-hmm. and you know, you could build like a three or five point scale in terms of the gap analysis, and you've yeah. got your high, medium, low priorities, yeah. and you know, and, and and basically you can make this a, a numbers exercise um, where you kind of come up with, you know, the, the, the priority roles you need to fill. Yeah. And, 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 and also it helps you build out the roadmap because there are lower priority things that you can put off until you've got budget headcount or whatever the other considerations are. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I've actually got client experience of this myself, apart from, you know, my regular day jobs um, because I worked with um can I say that I work with NASDAQ? I guess I can. I work with the CMO over there. And um, he, he, he and that was part of what my role was, was to do like a, an, a maturity assessment of his marketing team across nine different blocks. And part of that was the skills of the team, as well as a load of other capabilities that they had. And it's it's quite enlightening what it is that they, they can do. It, what, it is so what comes out of that kind of work. Yeah. 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 So we've done the gap analysis. So we're understanding where it is that we need to focus. So what's the fourth step? Well, the fourth one, which, you know, potentially could fit under step three, but it, it is, um, I, I, I say, identify shared services. So what are roles that you need to drive efficiency? And and because what you may end up doing in your, your initial listing of capabilities and doing your gap analysis, you kind of come up with um, core capabilities that are around, like I said, driving brand or driving revenue contribution. Right. Right? And then you don't want to forget that it's like, well, there may be people that you need in operations roles, creative roles, event management that that will take the, um, uh, I, I won't say drudgery because it <laughs> isn't always drudgery, but it was, you know, take, take a lot of the, uh, the the stuff off the plate that can that can you know 
put weight on like if you got a campaign manager and the campaign manager is running your user conference yeah. and is running you know and is doing the reports you yeah. know on on uh, revenue contribution it's like well you know eventually they're not really running campaigns they're doing all this other work yeah. and so so you want to make sure you go through the step thinking about what are these kind of shared services that are going to make yeah. the whole team uh more efficient mm-hmm. and obviously when you're starting out you know uh, with a with a startup it's like you know, this is, as you said, like everybody, everyone's going to be a little bit of a generalist. Well, you're probably not going to have shared services. Yeah. So as you get a little bit bigger and as you know, we often saw you get a little bit bigger. Okay. Now we need an ops guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're spending too much money on with agencies on creative. Okay. Now let's build a creative team. Uh, you know, my, my, uh, my campaign managers are way down doing events. Okay. Now let's hire. A, so it's a, so it is certainly as you get as you get bigger, this becomes yeah. more important to uh, take burdens off the absolutely, plate, especially off, when off we talk people. about marketing operations. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing, right? Is that they can they, yeah. they can run all the reports and 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 keep all the systems humming that that the entire team needs, and and so and, and they can they can you know especially when you talk about run, running email campaigns, keeping your data clean, all that kind of good stuff is. Yep. is is the way you need that shit. And, and the other thing is, you say drudgery, but I've known people that love running events. You know, I mean, it, they and absolutely, uh, you know, yeah. and, and so you can really find some expertise and some enthusiasm for some of these things that, that really helps. All right, well, I better move on. So I, I need to put a different term in the in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get to your fifth step, and what's your fifth step? You got to fill the gaps. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of the. Uh, I mean, since it's the last step, it's kind of the uh, the obvious one is to say, okay. Now we got to hire, move, yeah. you know, whatever people into these roles uh, to make sure we can, you know, we can staff the capabilities. All right. Need. So I'm going to do a little quick fire on this because I had a few questions around filling the gaps. So do you think that you should be hiring a core team or outsourcing with contract staff? I think, you know, this is um, one of the things I often think about is that, is that, you know, and this works in various levels of a company is that you really want to have on staff the things that are going to be competitive advantages for, you know, for the organization. And so if you think about marketing that way, it's like, so if I'm going to build, if, if I'm asked to build brand, then I really need a good comms leader if it's not going to be myself. And that's, that's a core hire. So even if you're relying on agencies, you know, you need somebody who really knows the ropes to make sure the agencies are, are doing their work. And it, you may outsource creative, you may outsource reporting. I mean, there might be some other aspects of this that you outsource, but you want to have that as a core capability on staff. Same thing with kind of like driving top of funnel engagement. You need digital marketing yeah. skills and there's, you really do need marketing ops as core skills. Yeah. But again, you might yeah. rely um, on yeah. small teams, junior staff to do other, other things. Yeah. I was going for a quick fire round on this one, but we're not very good at quick fire, are we? So um, <laughs> I think uh, I'll be quick, <laughs> but I think that the, the point with that is, is I, I, I you can't outsource everything, right? Cause you need to be an intelligent client. So your point was you still need to have these skills within your team, but they might be driving an agency that actually does the work, but you still need to understand the basics Absolutely. of comms, PR, whatever it is. All right. Um, yeah. What about, and we've kind of touched on agency there. So what about fractional roles, you know, like, Sort of a fr- fractional leader, fractional CMOs, that kind of stuff. This is probably more for startups. Yeah, yeah, and we certainly, you know, I think we know uh, fractional CMOs. I've I've yeah. known fractional marketing ops directors. Uh, but the thing is, if you if you've got a core set of skills that doesn't fit into a full time equivalent, mm-hmm. you know, then you're looking for how can I 
get that. And I don't, I don't, one of the things, uh, maybe because of a lot of the roles I had, is like, you know, writers were typically something. It's like we want to we want to have somebody who we're is is tied to us, um, but we can't just a full time. Yeah. Uh, we can't justify a full time, so we're going to bring them on part time. A CEO might say the exact same thing with a CMO yeah. as a leader. It's like I've got some people that can run the marketing team, but I need I need somebody who's yeah. more senior. Yeah. So it's 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 uh, kind of um, you know whether you can fit the, fill an FTE or not. I also think um, it can be about budget, and I think it's a difficult choice because I think with a fractional CMO you get an awful lot of experience and expertise, but you may only have the budget for a managing direct uh, sorry a marketing manager or, or a marketing director yep. whereas if you spent that same money on somebody a lot more experienced you actually might get more bang for your buck it's a difficult choice isn't it so do we so you, my, <laughs> i know you want to say something but we're really out of time um so yeah, do we train existing staff or hire new people i think one of the things that people uh, leaders you know, they just they they don't think about hard enough is that training can be more cost effective mm. and it can give you quicker returns training existing yeah. staff than to fill a gap than than hiring new because with hiring new you got to bring people you know mm. onboarding etc. There's all kinds of issues that that whether not necessarily that's the wrong decision, but really um, you should look at how you can train. Yeah motivating people to be in different roles than they were before. Yeah. You know, you got good people. Let's put them in a different role because yeah. ultimately your goal is both, you know, maximizing the contribution you're being asked to yeah. make and keeping the team motivated. Yeah. That those are, those are both very important considerations. Yeah. And it's that old thing, isn't it? If I, what if I train them and they leave? Well, what if you don't and they stay? So I think that um, tra- training, I think we under, we, we as a, you know, a marketing leadership um, group. Well, I don't know how you describe us, a community. I think we often overlook training as, as part of what we need to do as leaders. All right. So um, I like, I really like that. So we have these five F in steps for, um, for building a team. Know your strategic goals, what you're going to go for. Build a skills map of what you need. Do a gap analysis of what you've got. Identify the shared services. So where we can, uh, where we can get some efficiencies and then fill those gaps. Fantastic. All right, and then the last it. agenda item. Uh, oh, by the way, there is a, a, a one before last agenda item because you're going on holiday, Jeff. Yes, I am. See, I should let, Heading south. Yeah, I should let you actually carry on chatting and, um, and then split it into two so I could have more of you, but uh, <laughs> 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 so I'll be letting you overrun. So, yeah, so you're, you're on vacation? Yes, we're heading to South Carolina. Lovely, lovely. See, you you're seeing your friends and relatives on the way. Lovely, you're bored of the snow as well. So we won't have Jeff for another couple of weeks. So, but I shouldn't have warned the listeners because now nobody's going to listen next week. But hopefully, some people still tune in. I'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mate. So, what song are we going to play out with? Uh, we're going to play out with "Union" by Black Eyed Peas. It's a deep cut from the island or island from the album "Monkey Business," but we're not really monkeying around here so i just want to be clear <laughs> about that but the you know it says it's all for one and all for one just collect the three musketeers nice. and it's uh, it's a good tune good i i uh, i shall play out with that and i shall see you in a couple of weeks my friend I look awesome to join you in the studio <laughs> take care cheers buddy Bye-bye. cheers Have a great one for all it's all it's
Jeff, and that was Union by the Black Eyed Peas from 2005. And as you heard, he'll be on holiday for a couple of weeks. But if Jeff's advice can help your business, get in touch. You know where to find us. Right, time to go backstage with my guest, Caroline Kay, who was first on the show in episodes 20 and 45. Caroline is an entrepreneur, business and success coach, growth consultant and fellow podcaster. I'll be honest, we don't discuss much marketing, but the ideas Caroline shares, her joy and her enthusiasm give any leader a lift. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Caroline, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm so well, thank you, Ian. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's nice to speak to you. And um, the nice thing is, is um, we've now known each other for quite a while because you were first on like episode 20 something. You were on last time you were on was episode 45 and we've stayed in touch ever since and grateful for you to come back on the show. Um, but for people that haven't listened to the show for the last 150 odd episodes, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, it's an absolute joy to be back. And I can't believe so much time has passed by as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So to tell you a little bit about me, where shall I start, Ian? Well, I am the (laughs) founder of Vintager. um, And my Mm -hmm. business is all about accelerating people's ability to discover and design brand new categories of business. So I'm working with founders. I'm working with people who are that sort of entrepreneur dynamism and inside of themselves and they're just desperate Mm -hmm. to go out there and and make a change and create something and you know really build something out there in the world that they can say that's mine I did that and I've made the world a better place for it and I absolutely love what I do Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that makes me bounce out of bed in the morning and I feel really privileged Mm -hmm. and grateful to be in this position because there's so many people out there I think that are not happy in their jobs and not happy. And certainly in these times that we're talking right now, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of talk in the media and the news about people doing the, the great resignation and, you know, not feeling yeah. that they're really valued or fulfilled. And, yeah. and that's something that I'm really, really passionate about changing and helping people realize that when they look at themselves and when they look at how they can change the way they see the world, the way they show up in the world, they can create the big change that they want. They don't necessarily have to leave the role they're in. They just need to change that right. environment. Yeah, no, I love it. And um, I listened to your podcast, and we'll talk about that in a second, really inspirational around that stuff. And and the other thing on the topic that you're just saying is I, you also hear about things like quiet quitting and things like that. I mean, clearly a ch- COVID is is it is it is it passe to say that COVID has changed our relationship with work and made us all think like that and reevaluate all this stuff? I think it's certainly made everyone reevaluate. Just, it's a really interesting, um, I was reading something the other day and it really, really landed with me. So I think I'll I'll sort of mention it briefly today. And that is back in caveman times, we would go out and we'd take a certain path to go out and hunt for food. And we Mm. would choose that path every day, the same path. We'd get a routine. Mm. We'd have regularity because we didn't get eaten by a dinosaur. So that is Mm. the safe path. That is there. That's in our comfort zone. I'm going to walk down that path and I'm going to be okay because it was okay yesterday. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons that people are programmed not to take big risks, not to yeah. change our schedules, not to, you know, create big, enormous change in our lives because it creates our fear and uncomfortability. And it's, is that a word, uncomfortability? But you yeah, get the idea. Yeah, yeah. It is now. <laughs> and, and it's this concept that is why many people don't decide to leave their jobs and jump into yeah. being an entrepreneur or go off and do their own thing. It's because that is changing yeah. 
us. That is creating big yeah. change. And what happened with COVID was enormous change happened to all of us. And it was outside mm. of our control and there was no ability to make a choice. And mm. suddenly our normal paths to work every day were not the normal paths. We were suddenly in a different environment. Our home environment suddenly became our work environment. Yeah. And suddenly we are reconsidering everything because mm -hmm. it's like, do I actually, is this okay? Yeah. Yeah. Is, do I like this? And where you might feel really productive and you might feel at work, oh yeah, I'm getting lots done. I'm having good interactions and I'm going to work late, but it's okay because when I down tools, I'll go home and I'll just switch off and relax. And we yeah. stopped having those boundaries and those distinctions between work and home. And actually mm -hmm. we realized that this is keeping me away from my kids and they've come home and I want to do something with them. So my friends mm -hmm. with kids say, and so all these <laughs> other things that sort of came up. And yeah. I think there was this ability to have the moment to reflect and go, wow, is this okay? Is this what mm, I want? Yeah, and yeah. I think suddenly everyone asking themselves, you know, am I really valued? Am I doing the work that I should be doing? And am I at a stage in my life where I just want to continue on this path? Or actually, yeah. is there a better one for me out there? Yeah, no, I love it. And it, I don't think, and it, it has changed, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's, we haven't all just moved on and gone back to um, you know, the office and all that kind of stuff it has significantly changed the, our relationship completely with work. And, and so, but back to your podcast and the reason actually why I wanted to get you back on the show. And I'll, I'll, again, I'll get to that in a moment, but which you mentioned your podcast or I mentioned your podcast, Snippets of Genius. Tell us about that. Oh, well, um, my podcast is designed to really inspire anyone out there who mm -hmm. wants to just fulfill their potential and do something that they know inside of themselves they can do, but maybe they just don't know how or yeah. what, what is the path to get there? What's the best strategies? What are the ways that they can use their biggest strengths to do it? And so I interview amazing, inspiring founders, entrepreneurs, marketeers, creatives who've gone out there and done the work that has totally lit them up and also created yeah. something in the world that we all admire and enjoy and and sort of want a piece of. And, and it's really to help us not get the success hacks. I don't like those sort of really <laughs> throwaway yeah, tidbits, yeah. but it's more about being inspired by someone's story about how they took those risks, how they, yeah. they just made them the big, bold moves and decided, you know what? Believe in myself. I can mm -hmm. do this. And they didn't mm -hmm. let themselves saboteur themselves by thinking, I'm not good enough. I can't do right. this. And I know. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you a bit more about that today, just about <laughs> how people don't allow themselves to take yeah. those big leaps. And again, the work I'm doing with Vintita is all about helping people take those big leaps and right. believe in themselves. And it's not for lack of motivation, talent or mm -hmm. ability that people don't do things. It yeah. is down to a level of confidence, self-belief and setting those the environment up around themselves to go, this is great. You know, I'm in this yeah, for yeah. the ride and I want to keep going and I yeah. want to do this. Yeah. And I think as well, um, I think you mentioned this earlier as well, is it's not just people that are looking to do their own thing or become entrepreneurs. It's actually that entrepreneur thing as well, isn't it? It's about how to get the most out of what you're actually doing. It's, it's not about making necessarily a big leap out, but kind of a big leap in, isn't it? As Absolutely. Well. Oh, I like yeah, that okay. big leap in. I might steal that one for you. And that's a great line. <laughs> Well, the reason why, and is exactly the topic of why I wanted to get you on the show, because I listened to, I think it's your last episode, because you're on a little break, aren't you, before the next yes. series? 
and you discussed your coaching work and you discussed this concept of positive intelligence and PQ, which inspired me. And I was straight on to email going, Caroline, I've got to learn about this. Tell me a bit more about this. Tell us Wonderful. about that. What, what's this all about? Well, you know, one of the things I believe is that to do our best work, we need to mm-hmm. not only be in our best physical shape, but our best right. mental shape as well. Right. And it's actually only through experiencing this myself when mm-hmm. life threw me a big curveball. And I talk mm-hmm. about this in my last episode, We Are Value Centric, which yeah. just talks, and it's quite scary to be quite vulnerable and out there and go, oh, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> this horrible thing happened to me and I became a bit of an emotional wreck. And yeah. <laughs> but, you know, actually... It's, we're human. We're all human and we all go through things and we all feel certain things at certain times and we have to find our ways to recover. And, and it's certainly this idea about having resilience and that kind of frustrates me because you build resilience over time. That doesn't help you in the moment. And, and, oh, I, right. and yes. I absolutely yeah, yeah. wanted to find something that would help me in a moment when I'm dealing with a big life challenge so right. I could stay on track. You know, I, I love the fact that I, I wear a badge of honor. I say that I'm a high performer, that I absolutely love that I get loads yes. of work done and I can yeah. really focus in and, and do lots. But yeah. there is a time. And one of the things I learned about in terms of positive intelligence is that being a high performer is good for you to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And then at the, the tipping point where actually it becomes one of your saboteurs and it is something that starts to sabotage the way you work. So a really great example of this is I would, I kind of have like peaks and troughs as everyone does with energy levels. Yeah, and you kind yeah. of think, Oh yeah, I could, uh, I just do that one more thing or I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep work until this project's finished and then it's done. Yeah. And then I'm free to do the next thing the next day. But yeah. working till the project's finished might be working through the night till two, mm. three a.m. And then mm. the alarm still goes off at seven a.m. And you think, Oh my God, I'm knackered. And you're just yeah. destroyed the next day. And then you're not making good decisions. You're not working at your best the next day because you haven't mm-hmm. taken care of yourself. Right. You're actually driving yourself into the ground. And that's where high performance suddenly, it's not high performance anymore. You're right. just turning it into a way of sabotaging yourself and yeah. not looking after those energy levels and who you are. And that's why so many of us get to burnout and get to a right. point where we just think, what am I doing all this for? I suddenly yeah, don't have yeah. the time to see my friends. I don't have the energy to go and play my favorite sport or yeah. whatever it is that actually is that big stress reliever that actually mm. fills you up with joy and makes you go, great, I've had my my great fun and now I'm going to go back and do the work I love. But yeah, if you yeah. don't have that balance, suddenly you just think, well, it's just exhausting. What am I doing <laughs> this all for? Where's it's, the fun? <laughs> it's funny when you talk about the hustle and and the exhaustion. Um, the, sto- the story I'd heard about prehistoric man, you know, when you told a story about prehistoric man going down yeah. the same, um, there was, uh, I heard a, st- I heard a different thing, which is that we, back then we spent an awful lot of time not hunting, not running around doing stuff. We spent a lot of time just lying about and sleeping and li- having leisure time, right? So as, as a, as a species, we're not supposed to be on 24 hours a day are we we're supposed to have these moments of to, to rest and stuff um and and so that's that you describe that as your saboteur right is that, yeah. that this business about being high achiever so and that's a concept that comes through I've done a little bit of research into this and I really should have you explaining it to the listener but that's one of the concepts of this positive intelligence thing isn't it is that we all have these saboteurs so give us some more examples of those what sort of saboteurs could, could the listener have could, could they be reacting to but, you know, all of us have 10 saboteurs, so there's a lot. 
but <laughs> the one that is that is predominant in all of us that is that the if you like the king of the saboteurs is the judge yeah. right and our judge can come out in a multitude of ways but this master saboteur um as they call it from the positive intelligence gang it's all yeah. about how it just beats you up that's the best <laughs> word for it <laughs> and it just repeatedly gives yeah. you hell about any shortcomings you have any mistakes you make um it obsessively warns you about future risks and and yeah. maybe doubts yourself maybe you'll wake up in the middle of the night worrying about something that is your judge massively mm. at work um mm. perhaps it's about what's wrong with um others or your life or it yeah. could be anything i mean i was talking to a client the other day and she said she was driving along and and uh, people were just idiots in the road. They were like, yeah. what are you doing? How are you allowed yeah. behind the wheel? <laughs> you were an yeah, absolute yeah. moron. Whatever the words were that came out, you just want to scream mm. and shout at this other crap driver. Well, that's your judge. That's yeah. you judging the other person on their ability to do something because you do it better, because you believe that there is a certain right. way and an etiquette and there's a way that things should be done. So when somebody challenges those beliefs or does something not in the way that you do it, mm. the judge comes up. And you either dismiss them, think they're wrong, when actually, you know, I'm not saying they are, so most of the time you're probably <laughs> right. But there's, a, again, this tipping point where your judge is discerning and it's mm -hmm. actually through a knowledge and experience and awareness of what is right and what is wrong and, and what right. is good and what is bad. And then there's a tipping point where actually you're so fixed in your mindset, you're so in this shape of mm -hmm. there can't be a better way that you're not allowing yourself to grow and improve and explore a different way of being and doing. Right. And so again, there's this tipping point of whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And when it becomes a bad thing, just to go further with that tipping point, mm -hmm. it could be the negative talk. And this is a big one that you talk to yourself. Yeah. I could never do that. Who am I to even try? Mm -hmm. um, people will laugh at me. Uh, I, I can't believe I made that mistake yesterday. I'm an idiot. I, can't, I just, I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? Da, 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 yeah. da, da. It goes on and on yeah. and on. Yeah. And I, I think all of us at some point can resonate with one of those thoughts yeah. coming up yeah. in our minds. Absolutely. Even if we think, I don't sabotage. <laughs> I know I'm good at what I do. I'm ace. I'm great. I'm on it. I'm always on form. Yeah. yeah. But at some point or another, everybody's got that, that little voice. You'll yeah. have had that sleepless night. You'll have yeah. had that moment of, of self doubt or worry yeah. or, if you've got nerves inside of you, which can be a good yeah. thing or a bad thing, mm -hmm. it could be fear, it could be excitement. Nerves are there to give you a warning sign, but mm -hmm. it's it, it's whether or not, you know, that judge is coming in strongly and actually right. help, not helping you perform and do your best. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting when, um, you know, you're talking there about the judge because it's, I mean, we, are, you know, you hear a lot about um, the fact that we need to deal with this inner monologue and that if somebody spoke to us in the way we speak to ourselves, we'd probably, you know, punch them in the face. Yeah. Uh, but also this sort of judge of other people and how that restricts us. And what I also um, got from, I think it was you were discussing on your podcast and certainly in the digging into this afterwards, is this idea that you're responsible for that, that you're responsible for these feelings and you can control them and you can, you know, if you're feeling... Um, if you're feeling anxious or you're feeling angry or whatever, you're the one creating those feelings, which I felt was really interesting from the saboteurs, right? That's absolutely right. And it's all because I mentioned that there's 10 saboteurs. You have yeah. an accomplice saboteur, which actually fuels the judge. And actually right. it's the one that allows you to hijack your mind and, mm -hmm. and, and takes you on the negative path rather than the positive path where you would right. be using 
your very best ability to be creative, a problem solver, to explore a challenge and to navigate it well. And these mm-hmm. are all the abilities you have when you're, you know, you'll hear yogis and people say when you're in flow, like when you're yeah. just doing the work and it's just coming yeah. to you easily and all of this sort of thing. Yeah. I, there's a lot of, there's, there's lots of good about that. There's loads of people that mm. can resonate. I was writing an article for my next X or Y and, and yeah, it just came to me and it was just going yeah. and yeah, I wrote it really easily. You're in flow yeah. rather yeah. than the day when you're looking at the blinking line going, huh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what am yeah. I going to do today? Yeah. Yeah. And that's because your saboteurs are at work when you're not mm-hmm. in that flow state because they're holding you back in some way or another, letting mm-hmm. the judge come in. So for example, there could be the avoider where you wake up in the morning and you just go, oh, I just don't feel like it today. But yeah. And I've got a million and one things to do. Oh, there's, oh, some of those things are really hard on that list. Don't even know where to yeah. begin. Can't yeah. face it. I'm going to go do those other other things. So yeah. you feel happy that you're ticking things off the list. But these are not the things that are going to help mm. you, your next campaign go viral or help you like create the best amazing work that's going to be picked yeah. up and go global. Yeah. You're just going to be saying, well, I, I did the washing up and, uh, yeah, <laughs> I tidied my desk. Oh, my desktop's clean now. Oh, I cleaned the screen yeah. as well. You know, you, yeah. you're just doing busy work, you know? <laughs> and I think all of us can at some point be, mm-hmm. you know, at fault with that. And then other days we'll get up and we'll, we'll be able to do things, but mm-hmm. the saboteurs can come up in so many different ways. And, right. and it's, I encourage everyone to go look at positive intelligence and, and there's yeah. a little test on there. So you can actually explore what are your top three saboteurs? And I love a test. Yeah. I love to see where things <laughs> yeah. break down and where things are good. Yeah. Because the first step with anything is, is having an awareness of what's mm. holding you back and what's stopping you. Mm-hmm. And then the next part is doing the work to make sure you're yeah. taking control. And there's three muscles when it comes to building positive intelligence that mm-hmm. all of us need to be able to, to strengthen. And when you strengthen those three muscles in your mind, you have the ability to perform at your best. You have the ability to take your work through the stratosphere, become award-winning, to get that next big pay rise, to do all of those goals that you set out for yourself. It's all possible when you mm-hmm. build up the strength in your mind not to stay in a negative space, not to be the avoider, right. not to be the stickler. Oh, it's just not perfect. I can't, I can't quite send it yet. No, no, no. It, oh, I'm not happy with yeah, that. Yeah. You know, when really like just get it done, get it out there. It's good enough. Yeah. And yeah. you'll do an even better job next time. So, and that, and those are the five powers, aren't they, that you discussed on your podcast. And yeah. so that's the con, that's, that's how you fight your saboteurs, is it? That's exactly right. Like being yeah. able to fight your saboteurs is, is the absolute key. So mm-hmm. the first one is you're building up. I talked about those three muscles and I'll come on yes. to the, the five powers, but the, the muscles is your interceptor muscle. So mm-hmm. to be an interceptor, you need to really think about those negative emotions when they come up, when those negative yeah. thoughts arise, your ability to, first of all, know that that's happening, just recognize yeah. it in that moment. And then your ability to actually shift it and Mm -hmm. go, that's not helpful right now. I I don't need to hear this. And (laughs) actually the next bit is to activate one of those Mm -hmm. five powers that we're going to talk about in a second. And the ability to activate those powers is actually using your Mm self-command. And your self-command, I mean, it sounds a bit Jedi, doesn't it? But we talk about (laughs) it in positive intelligence, like the scientist guys basically broke it down. Like it is about being a bit Jedi mindset with this Uh and being able to say, don't, want to go down this path. I want to get back in flow. I want to be like firing on mm. all cylinders. I want to be my best, most productive self. And I want to do my best mm. work. 
your ability to actually activate the regions of your brain where your best creativity lies, where your ability mm. to innovate, solve all those problems, explore them, navigate them really well. Yeah. That is where your self-command comes in. And it's yeah. to go, you know, I can almost imagine it. Like, can you see like when you're <laughs> watching one of those <laughs> movies and the Jedi just like suddenly like gets in that yeah. stance and then summons up all the strength and then does yeah. his best fight. You know, it yeah. is about being able to do that. And <laughs> that's the big thing. And when you get in charge of that, intercepting those saboteurs, awareness, knowledge, understanding them, just noting that's not helpful, bringing in your self-command to actually activate your powers that's when you get into the region of those muscles of mm -hmm. those five powers, which are to empathize, to explore, to innovate, navigate, and activate. Mm -hmm. Now, that all sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo when I say it like that. But if you just yeah, think yeah. about the ability of the judge to just, you know, throw out all those horrible words to, I'm not listening to you. That's not right. My way's better. My way or the highway, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Switch that into empathize. Mm. What's, what's really happening here? Why is that person doing that? What, what is it that, okay, if they're driving like a maniac, maybe they've got <laughs> a dying baby in the seat next to them. You have yeah. no idea yeah. rather than just screaming at them. Maybe yeah. think, gosh, he's in a hurry. Yeah. Oh, I just get out of the way and let him go because mm. he's clearly got something more important than whatever I'm doing, just toddling along. So, yeah. I mean, that's quite an extreme example, but the, the point, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that Ability to empathize yes. stops all those negative emotions, stops yeah. all that thinking negatively and allows you to just let it go. So mm. instead of being in rage for the rest of the day, just oh, a yeah. funny thing happened today, da, da, da. you know, it's not a big deal. And you waste so much time overthinking, procrastinating, judging others, judging yourself and not doing your best work. And when you can just let things go and just let it move on, you yeah. can suddenly get doing what you're best at and that's what's really really important yeah no it's fascinating stuff and I really enjoyed uh listening to you and, and talking to you about this stuff um and and we've we've run out of time I can't no, believe it. Ian. I, love, I, love, <laughs> I love talking to you and um so it's a fascinating topic where can people find out more about this well, they go over to my website, which is carolineK.co. Mm -hmm. Come and have a look on there. And, and I'm going to be sharing lots more knowledge about the positive intelligence, what it's all about, and how you yeah. can get there. But also come over and see me on LinkedIn. Again, Caroline K. Co. Uh, that's my handle. And if you have a look on there, there is this whole section on positive intelligence. And there's even, I'll, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. I'll pass yeah. it on to you. In. So you yeah. can go and do that test I talked about. Yes, and just absolutely. see how much your mind is serving you yeah. versus sabotaging you. And if you're one of those people that right now, going let's sabotage myself that's not yeah. true I, I literally dare you go do the test and see where you're at and if you're at the high level like me I'm now after doing all this work I'm building my mental muscle and it's now part of my routine yeah at 98 of the time my brain's serving me which is happy days mm -hmm. but believe me when I stopped going to the mental muscle gym yeah. it dropped off it dropped down to about 40 percent, and then I had a bit of a wobble and I had a bad day so yeah. I went you know what I need to get back to the gym yeah and that's where you go build that mental muscle and when you keep yourself in top physical condition top mental condition you will be able to do your that's best work splendid. so I really encourage everyone to do yeah, it yeah that's splendid I will include all of those links in the show notes as well as to you Caroline it's it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up again uh, I know we talked to each other on a, a number of occasions um and uh i hope to have you back on the show maybe we'll need to dig into some of this a bit more it's clearly more than 20 minutes of conversation thank you very much <laughs> been a pleasure thanks so much Ian. 
Thank you, Caroline. I really enjoyed chatting with Caroline. And if her ideas resonated with you, I encourage to give her a shout. I will, of course, include all of Caroline's links in the show notes. Right, on to another inspiration. It's time to wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, well, I, I, hello, my, I think I can see, I think I can hear you. It's, uh, oh, there we go. There we go. It's, I, you've, you've transformed the bar into a Formula One race. That is just absolutely outstanding. I mean, I love the way that you have this multi-purpose bar set up. Formula One, though, is not something that I would have, uh, I, I would, it, oh, here we go. Oh, they're coming around again. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, it's always it's always just that moment when they pass by. Um, so fantastic, and I know you're a huge Formula uh, One fan. So I am uh, a Formula One fan, and this week is the first race of the season. Yeah, I thought I'd help them out in the bar. Uh, I just get them, a little practice runs in and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, get some practice in. Yeah, exactly. Because it's such a huge bar, I hadn't realized either that you could fit. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is a. It is a. Yeah. It is a. Uh, uh, it yeah. is a huge bar. I mean, it's you know. <laughs> the the right thing the... to say. Yeah, the right thing that should have said there was that the bar is actually by the side of the track. That might be more believable for the listeners in a, in a um, eye. I think maybe, but yes, thank you very much, Robert. Yes, we're here at the Formula One this week. We are here at the Formula One, and so we you are. know, it's it's been an interesting week um, for sure. Uh-huh. And um, I have an interesting cocktail for us, uh, which show. is uh, maybe many of the Formula One racers will feel this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a drink that we classically call a bad day at work. Um, Ooh. Yeah, a bad day at work. This is a, it, despite the name, it's actually a very tasty uh, cocktail. Um, it is a gin cocktail, so I. Goodness gracious, I'm hoping oh. you have this in your desktop bar. Well, let's uh, it is a gin drink. And basically, it, it, it is, it, it's really a, another very simple uh, uh, drink. It's your highest quality gin, which mm. uh, that is something yes. you can actually get in England. <laughs> is really good gins. Mm. Um, and then a little clementine orange juice. Uh, and then a splash of seltzer. And... Ooh. It is just so refreshing and so wonderful, um, and it's very simple to make and very easy to get to. And wow. it, so, if you don't have clementine orange juice, basically what you want is just something very nice and sweet. You don't want the tart orange juice. You want something very right. sweet and soft as the uh, as the orange juice. Yeah, and that's just a wonderful drink. You pour that over ice, and you've got yourself a refreshing. All right bad day of work you've answered my first question so is there ice in that so i shall attempt to make that drink with only the ingredients on my desktop bar so i have gin oh there you go i have some actually make this well let's start slowly on that one shall we i have i have some some gin so i'll put some gin into there and then um well as we know, Robert, uh, the clementine is mostly, and you want something really sweet and nice, um, we, we tend to go with cucumbers over here rather than clementines. I see. Very yeah. similar, very similar, mate. And, uh, and the nice people at Fever Tree uh, which have, have put some of that in some tonic water, which I shall 
Uh, not sponsors of the show, but anyway, they've put it in some tonic water, which I shall put into there, which will be very similar to what you're talking about. Let me give this a try. Where did the name come from? Uh, then you know that is a really good question. Um, I don't know where the name comes from, other than the fact that the uh, mm. it is called a bad day at work, as far as I've always heard of it called that, and um, wow. I don't know well, where it comes from though. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's the inspiration for it. I suppose is self evident. Yeah. But the uh, yeah. the uh, the actual origins of it, I don't. It's quite yes. It's quite a gentle drink for a bad day at work. I don't know whether I. I don't, well, anyway, let's not talk about bad days and what one drinks on a bad day. This is jolly nice, Robert. Thank you very much. I could drink one of these every week. I suspect mm. you might, yes. Yes. So, our, um, where are we going to take these wonderful drinks? Well, I think, I mean, given the given where we are in the bar and what you've been opening up your bar <laughs> to be able to do, I think we have to... Yeah. You know, really head on out to the the very first uh, the very first um, one, which is in Bahrain, uh, of yes. all places for 2023. Yes. Uh, so yes. I think we'll we'll find ourselves ensconced somewhere mm. along the the uh, the circuit and um, yeah. see where we see where we end up with a couple of bad days at work and watch a little Formula One. I, I, I'm jolly impressed with your Formula One knowledge, and um, also what I was going to make reference to it is quite a bad day at work when you realise they've built a Formula One track through your bar. So yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It could give you a headache, and there's no doubt about that. Okay, and then um, so as we watch these cars go around, and in the moments of interlude when they're not doing anything, which is quite a lot of the time, what um, and conversation turns to marketing. What are we going to be chatting about this week? Well, we're going to talk about an interesting challenge that I've seen of late and it seems to be going back to something that honestly I've been noticing for years but is sort of becoming a little more pronounced now that content is becoming such an important part uh, of an uh, integrated marketing strategy and mm. so we know this that you know we know that content marketing and marketing are merging and, and in many ways becoming just increasingly important, yes. right? The the ability for us to create valuable content, full start, you know, whether you like storytelling or brand journalism or thought leadership or whatever it is in your organization, there's no doubt that it's, th that any and all of those things are becoming an important part of the overall marketing and communications mm -hmm. strategy. But then it, it's interesting because there's a, there's a level of confusion that I've been seeing in, in many businesses um, and maybe it's been there all the time, but it's just becoming more pronounced, like I said, in, in, in recent times, which is which should come first, uh, the content or the campaign. Uh, in other words, as you're defining a campaign, many businesses will say, okay, we're going to define our campaign, we're going to build our promotional effort, and then we'll figure out which assets will support that promotional yeah. effort of that yeah. campaign. Or... Do you figure out the content mm -hmm. that will needs to be created? And then do you design the promotional effort mm -hmm. around the content assets yeah. that you're going to do? Now, most businesses do both um, and honestly do both of them asynchronously and out of touch with others. So the demand gen team does it one way. The content team does it another way. The brand team does it one other way. The product marketing team does it another mm -hmm. way. And it's all a big mess. And that's part of sorting out a content strategy is to try and figure that out. But does it matter? Does it matter which one comes first? And it does, I think, and I'll come back to that in just a minute. But the key is, how do you 
really put the eye back into integration. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking about integrated marketing communications. And so this, this is a lost art, I think, in many organizations these days. The idea of you know, what used to be a very popular topic back in the 90s and early 2000s, integrated marketing communications. Um, and it's fascinating to me because if you go back and you look... And, and you start to look at, oh, we want to do an integrated marketing communications plan or integrate, integrated yeah. marketing communications strategy. And you start looking for that, right? These days, and I, I actually went and did some research into this, and I find that what you're seeing mostly these days is how do we make sure our voice is consistent across all mm -hmm. channels? And that's nice. That's lovely. That's wonderful. We need to do that. But what that doesn't do is doesn't a really define what integrated marketing communications does, nor does it prevent you from that siloed sort of mentality of doing everything, you know, sort of ad hoc and in chock-a-block different ways to get to, you know, sort of a mishmash of content driven by campaigns or campaigns driven by content. In other words, if we go back and we look at so Don Schultz, who I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of times, he's known as, quote unquote, the father yeah, of integrated yeah, marketing yeah. communications. He wrote many books on the topic, wrote one of the first ones back in the uh, late 80s, um, and as multi-channel was sort of becoming a thing, and then wrote a revision of it in the early 2000s where uh, digital and internet and email and all those things came into it. And as he said, when we think about integrated marketing communications, he defined it in that book. He said, look, integrated marketing communication is a strategic business process used to plan, develop, execute, and evaluate coordinated, measurable brand communication programs over time. So in other words, it's not just about aligning our voices and making sure that we have a great strategy document that says, hey, here's the way we talk on YouTube versus the way we talk on our website versus the way we talk and make sure everybody's going off the same, you know, cheat sheet as it pertains to messaging. It's about coordinating our communication full stop. And so I believe planning starts with content full stop. We have to start with the content we want to create, whether it's going to be a content promotional message promoting our products and services or whether it's going to be thought leadership. All of that should be considered in an integrated way from the very beginning. You start with content. Then some of that content will be wrapped into campaigns that promote various things, either content assets themselves or products or webinars or whatever it is. We've got to do that start with content first yeah. then get into campaigns and if we do that in an aligned way we're basically going to be in a lot better position to be able to scale our efforts to be able to measure mm -hmm. our efforts and to be able to integrate all the things that we're doing as a communication uh, for our business oh my god I love that so much I was nodding so hard I thought I was going to hit the microphone and then it grin across my face when you introduced the topic because because I don't know what you're going to talk about I don't even know that there's going to be a formal run track in my bar so um, that's just, I love that. And, and it's, it's so right because it's like the, well, what is it that you're going to say in the world? 
and not how are you going to say it. it shouldn't start with the how that's you right say it. it should be what are you going to say in the world what is what are the need what are the needs of your audience what's your n- unique point of view on that in in you know how and then how are we going to express it how best to get that message out there this is just i, I just love this i almost screamed out hallelujah halfway through of what you were saying there. <laughs> so, so true and um, but you work with a lot of clients and um it's all very well for us to opine this sort of thing and but when it comes to execution it's often gets more difficult how do you bring these folks together behind this sort of you know one content content first ideal i mean we've been talking about it for so long and i love it i love the topic but what is it what is it that you do when you're working with your clients it's exceedingly difficult and the reason is because (laughs) and i will tell you why it's exceedingly difficult is because People have become have come to believe mm-hmm. that ideas should follow the form. Right. And and what I mean by that is that in marketing especially, uh, and this holds true for demand generation marketing or brand marketing, mm-hmm. what we ulti- the way that we first start thinking about something is how do I want to see this expressed in yeah. the world, right? Yeah. So we start thinking about oh, I see this as a cool TV campaign yeah. where we have all sorts of really cool content then this yeah. across this TV campaign. Or yeah. we think, oh, we have this really great print thing or we yeah. have this great thought leadership program where we've got a blog and webinars yeah. and white papers and blah, blah, blah. And we end up formulating our campaign of how we're going to speak and how we're yeah. going to promote the thing we want to say before we've figured out what we want to say. Yeah. And it's just natural for us these days you know i don't know why it became natural to think like that but it did is it well i mean do you think it became natural or do you think we're just visual people i mean that's what i sometimes find with with trying to work with people just on the message they leap to the execution or they start from the execution they say i need a thing and then the word the words come last right, right. that's right and it, it and they and then you you try and work with people on just and say, oh, show me how it's going to look in the page or in the ebook or in the whatever it is. And it's like, no, let's agree the words and the message and what we want to say first, right? And then decide that that's going to be our execution. Right. And it's because we yeah. start with how we consume, right? In other yes. words, yes. we consume yeah. finished product of content, right? We consume novels, yes. we consume movies, yeah. we consume advertisements, we consume as consumers of yeah. content, we consume the ultimate finished product of it. So therefore, it becomes yeah. the first way we want to think about it, right? Think, mm. think about even just philosophically think about what, you know, when you're inspired, it's like, oh, I really want to write a novel. Yeah. But wait a minute. Why don't we talk about what you want to say? Then we'll determine whether it should be a novel or a nonfiction or a movie or a, you know, or, you know, oh, I really, I really want to make a movie or I really want to write a screenplay or I really want to, you know, create great ads. (laughs) And what we think of is we think in the way that we consume. We think that the content product is about the container and it's not. It's about what's in the container. And that getting out of that mindset and starting first with the hard part honestly, uh, which is what's the idea? You know, as I've said many, many, many times, you know, content will not differentiate you. Your ideas might. And so it's starting with that idea that you have that differentiating story that you want to tell the, um, the, the focus on the content itself 
And then at some point, the containers or, you know, multiples of them become an important way to make sure that people see it. Because that's all containers are. All The only thing that containers of content are or are offering varying ways for people to consume what it is that you have an idea about. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love this. I love this. And, and it's like, the, um, you know, it's like, why are you doing it? And all that kind of stuff, isn't it, as well? It's like... Um, so often you can be questioning like oh we need to do this white paper or this data sheet or this thing and it's like why you know why why do we need to do this tactic how does it help us with the story we want to tell and how does it help our audience and all that stuff it's it's just perfect right Um, yeah or why does it need to be a white paper like let's let's you know let's turn that around it's like oh we want to write a white paper it's like great what what you know let's stop for a moment (laughs) what what is your idea what are you thinking of because let's let's not worry about whether it's a white paper or not because if it's a great idea maybe it's an entire podcast series or maybe it's an entire website (laughs) or maybe it's an entirely new brand or maybe it's not worth any of that and it's simply a blog post right it's let's hear the idea first before we trap it inside some container that either won't fit it or Mm. is too big for it Mm. yeah and before you know it, you've done over 150 episodes of something, and you're not sure why. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not mentioning any names or any podcasts. <laughs> but that's perfect. Thank you very much, Robert. And when people uh, are looking for advice like this, that you know exactly why you produced it, where are they going to find that? Oh, well, let's, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm as guilty of this problem as anybody. So let's be sure to put that out there. Um, but if they want to go look at a website, uh-huh. for, and God knows why wouldn't you want to go look at yet another website, <laughs> um, you, can find, uh, you can find our little hole in the wall on the internet at contentadvisory.net. Splendid. And when people spin the dial on the, on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Oh, it's all about the LinkedIn yeah. these days. Although, interestingly, I've been thinking about coming back to Twitter, but mm. I'm not missing it that much. So we'll see. I'm, well, I'm, I've, I keep going back and forth on this, whether I'm coming back to Twitter or not. Yeah. But LinkedIn is where I'm doing most of my interaction these yeah, days. It's, yeah, I mean, it's good is it because you end up spreading yourself too thin. It's a bit like this purposefulness that we're hinting at with this content thing, isn't it? Is it? Why, why do you need to be there? What's, what's the purpose of Twitter for you? Exactly. Yeah, all right. Very good. And most importantly for me, will you be in the bar next week? I will indeed. I look forward to it, my friend. I'll see you then. I will. Thank you, Robert. Some great stuff there. Getting our content geek on. So that's a wrap on episode 156 of the Rockstar CMO FA Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Caroline and Robert for sharing their insight. And to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Catch us on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO just about everywhere. Or leave a rating or review in your favourite podcast app. Or (laughs) just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, as you heard, Jeff will be on holiday for a couple of weeks. So a different format next week. I go backstage with fascinating young entrepreneur, Yash Chavin. And Robert will be back in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then... Have a great week. I hope you'll again join us next week on Rockstar CMO FM.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.